Hi, welcome to Resourced Adult, where two close friends with two clinical backgrounds ask one question. How can we expand, redefine, and integrate the idea of being a grown-up? Welcome to the Resourced Adult, Episode 6. Hi everyone, uh, Kim Oswald here, coming at you from the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. And this is Danny Anderson coming to you from beautiful, rainy Portland, Oregon. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? We're back. We're back. People, finally. We're back. We were we were on a little bit of a hiatus, which was, you know, end of summer, beginning of school year. I can't even really make an excuse because I have a two-year-old, so it's not like I'm having him start kindergarten or anything but we'll just use that as our excuse for we're moms we're professionals we're we've got a lot of stuff going on but we're back and and so happy to the be word here. sabbatical comes okay? up for me even more than hiatus like sabbatical <laughs> feels like a more juicy hiatus <laughs> well as we discussed well, but here's the thing with us god with, with a sabbatical that actually entails rest that's, and i don't feel very rested that's true that's true um, that's very true. Well, and, you know, as we dis discussed and decided when we started doing this, perfect is the enemy of the done, and we're doing it in the best capacity that we can, and we're offering what we can when we can, so we're back. And as we discussed earlier as well, uh, there have been many opportunities in the past however many weeks when you and I were talking and we had just said, we had we could just release a tape of this phone call. However, we didn't have ourselves hooked up and our sound, our ambient sound of children and dogs and all of those things accounted for either. So, yeah, exactly. And so we, yeah, we wanted to make it clear that our friendship didn't break up. We've still been talking in this amount of time. <laughs> are we are we releasing like a public statement, like a band, like the band is still together? <laughs> We're releasing some new music. We're weaving in the studio. <laughs> We're in the studio, guys. So we've got some really awesome topics for you, though, since we we do have some juicy material since our um, hiatus slash sabbatical. Hi, sab hibatical. Kick it off by the hibatical. Mm -hmm. I love it. Hibatical. I'm writing that down. Um, what I want to say is. We've had, you know, we've had some movement, some things have come out, um, some new material from people we love. For instance, uh, the release of Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle Melton, who's one of our heroes, and we love her. Um, such great material, so brave, so raw, such a great book. Um, uh, if you haven't gotten it, get it, pick it up, read it, cry your eyes out. It's great. Then reread um, it, highlight the whole thing. Then <laughs> <laughs> dog-eared I have like seriously and not even joking 25 pages dog-eared and I'm, I'm I still have about 20 20 or 30 pages left to read um but oh my goodness that book is fantastic it is oh so word. many women um, people just out there telling the truth so she's really spearheading that well and it's just it's so inspiring and the other thing I want to say is and they mentioned this on a, another favorite podcast of ours, uh, ZPRs and parenting radio. And I was listening to it this morning, which is this idea that she's just really putting metaphor to 
human emotion and, and how um, amazing it is to see or to read and hear the description of that on such a real, authentic and vulnerable level, both for male and female. And she's giving insight to men on what it's like to take the female journey in America, which I think is actually really insightful. Well, and very timely for what's going on in the current climate as well. What is it like to be a female living in this country, living in this time, living in the world? What is our lived experience actually like? What are the unspoken truths? What are the unspoken experiences or spoken but not believed? So I think there's a lot to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, for me, it that book really hit home. Um, I definitely can have experienced a lot of those things within my marriage, um, which ultimately, you know, ended in divorce. But I mean, it just really, really spoke to me on multiple levels. But just that struggle that we feel of this, we need to keep it looking a certain way on the surface because we want to somehow protect our friends, family, whoever, and maybe they don't even matter in our lives by dealing with the pain in a very appropriate way, I guess is, is what I think happens a lot. And it's like, Oh, nope. Every, you know, I was raised in a family where it's like, you know, we keep things private. We don't talk about, um, you know, things that happen within the family, things need to be left. And, and, and to a certain degree, I think that that is respectful of, of people who are there in relationship. But at the same time, it's like, well, when do we, who, who do we share with? Who do we really get that vulnerable with? And I think she has just sort of ripped, ripped the bandaid off of all of that. And I'm just really um, in admiration of that courage. Absolutely. And I also think what you're speaking to is sort of this culturally sanctioned uh, allowing of women or, you know, what it's, you're feeling that, okay, here's, here's how, here's the culturally, uh, here's the cultural stamp of approval of what to do in X, Y, Z, whether it's at a funeral, at a wedding, at, you know, we have all of these rituals and transitions that are obvious and then not so obvious in life. And we are given sort of a rubric based on what we saw growing up, what we've seen in the media, what we've seen our friends do and what's talked about and what's not talked about. And I think at certain times, at least in my own life, those transitions have come up and I've really felt strongly, whoa, we don't do that here. Whether it's a funeral, you know, or where, where grief would I'll play a situation where grief would be very natural and there's still sort of this unspoken, here's how you keep it together. Here's how you need to look. You know, I did go see Glennon Doyle Melton speak here a few months ago. And that was one of the things she talked about was that when people are, one of the big problems uh, is that when people are at rock bottom in our culture, nobody knows because we're still pulling it together and, mm-hmm. you know, wearing proper undergarments and at the grocery store and, you know, not, she said, if you want people to know that you're at rock bottom, don't get dressed. (laughs) And 
wander aimlessly down. She said, I think I, she said one of the first places I got help was in the aisle of the grocery store when a a complete stranger said, are you okay? (laughs) Because she didn't look okay. Mm -hmm. And part of me laughs because it's, it's a funny juxtaposition of what we expect to see. But then part of me is a bit saddened by that because it, it, it is something that is natural and, and in a, in a different way needs to be allowed and, and seen and, come to right I mean her big message is pain is our ultimate connector if we don't go to our pain we're not going to go to each other right right well and and her you know what she was talking about um on super soul sunday about pain which which goes into actually the topic that we're talking that we were originally going to chat about um is she calls pain a traveling professor. Right. And instead of this idea that we have of pain being something that we need to give away like a hot potato, because we, we, um, for instance, somebody strikes out at you at the grocery store because you grab the last carton of milk. Okay. And they don't even know you. And you're like, Whoa. And the thing about it is she says that that is when a person feels that hot loneliness And they feel sort of backed into a a corner. And what they want to do is they want to get rid of that as soon as possible and throw it on to anybody who will, who's nearby like a hot potato. And so instead of being that, um, to, to invite this, uh, pain in like a traveling professor and ask the professor to stay, to teach, to teach you whatever you need to be taught until you're done learning that lesson and, and then you can emerge a more understanding, compassionate, caring and integrated individual. And I think the problem is we, as she says, hit the easy button too often, whether that be sex, drugs and rock and roll or overeating or my drug of choice, overworking and busyness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever that may be. And I just thought, wow. And she said that I was like, Mm. (laughs) that's the only noise I could make when I'm like, that's the truth. Well, and what she also said with that, and I can't remember if it was in her conversation with Oprah or any of the many other times I've sought out watching her speak is that the truth, this idea of the truth, people tell the truth somehow. If they're not telling it with their words, then they're telling it with their body. She said she told the truth with her body being being bulimic for many years. Um, people tell the truth with over shopping. People tell the truth with overeating. People tell the truth with drugs. You know, if you don't face the pain or, or the truth of your experience and what's going on, and and use your language and your relationships, then it just come it, the truth comes out in other ways. And I really connected with that just you know as a woman thinking back my lifespan of you know struggles with my relationship with food my relationship with myself really but when on the outside you're maybe checking all the right boxes and achieving all the right things and meeting all the right milestones whether that's their societal of graduate college get married have a child or ones you've imposed on yourself, but it's still this idea of moving and being rather than sitting and feeling. What I meant to say was moving and doing rather than sitting and being. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a misunderstanding also that occurs that somehow moving out of the doing and into the being is passive or that it's lazy. And what I've realized even in the past few weeks, just coming into some different awarenesses in my life is that the the courage and the non-easy button is in moving out of thinking that I can do everything, thinking that I have the answers, thinking that, well, I got to make this happen. You know, there's a certain level of ambition and drive and all of that that comes very organically and naturally that is healthy. And then there's when you cross over into even if this isn't what's meant to happen and even if this circumstance isn't ultimately what serves me or serves everyone else, I had it in my mind that this is what it's supposed to be. And so it is. Yep. And that's it. I mean, I think the hardest part about my marriage ending wasn't maybe even the person. It was the idea that I had about what my marriage was supposed to look like or my life was supposed to look like, you know, and grieving that loss, that loss of whatever that was that I like wrapped my identity in turned out to be more painful than just letting go of what would what wasn't serving me anymore. Hmm. I think that's really important. And I think that those examples of definitive grief, such as a divorce, or, you know, as we've said many times over the past year, a divorce is a death. Um, But even in life events where you would frame it or culture would frame it as more positive, there are still built in losses and griefs where, you know, Dr. Shivali, who's the leader of the conscious parenting movement, I'm reading her newest book, The Awakened Family, and I think it's in that book, it might be in her first book, but where she talks about one of the great myths of parenting is that, you know, you're ready for the child you're going to get. And she said, basically, the only child you're ready to parent when you have your child is the fantasy of what you wanted that child to be. That's who you're ready to parent. Mm -hmm. That's who you're ready to parent mm-hmm. when they're born, regardless. And then regardless of how aware you are of that or not. And then as things happen and they don't match whatever fantasy you were or were not aware of, grief comes up mm-hmm. and learning opportunities present themselves and the opportunity to allow another person to be who they really are and align with what lights them up and brings them joy and is their calling of service to the world versus who as parents we think we're supposed to shape and and guide and all of that. And really, I feel like a lot of times it's a loving allowing, a loving getting out of the way. And obviously we want to provide safety and security and and an environment that nurtures and helps children grow. But I think there's a lot of uh, unexamined narrative in a parental brain I know myself included and you don't even and it's little things but the little things are the big things right. right whether it's what sport they like to play or how they like to spend their time or even what cartoons they want to watch it's and again it's not that you're moving into an allowing of oh yeah they want to watch uh you know South Park and they're three no that's not appropriate obviously we're still there as a loving guide mm-hmm. but Um, I just, I've really, it's, it's humbling. It's very humbling. And I think there's many, many hidden griefs and hidden, uh, Martha Beck this week, I watched a, uh, you know, author, teacher, Martha Beck. I think she's actually Oprah's life coach is her claim to fame. 
Um, I watched her Facebook Live this week talking about suffering and how, you know, suffering is when we are holding on this I- to this idea of what, how things are supposed to be and not being with what is. And she discussed her process with that with when she found out she was when she was pregnant with her son and found out he had Down syndrome and how much suffering endured and how ultimately she realized she was meant to change her way of thinking. And that was what was creating her suffering. But it was, it was really, really powerful. Um, I listened to it several yeah. times. Yeah. Did you listen to it? <laughs> it was... Oh yeah. You sent it to me and I was like, Oh man. <laughs> I didn't actually know who that, I didn't know who she was, Martha Beck, um, and I, I never heard of her, so I didn't even realize any connection with o, with the O or anything, you mm-hmm. know. With Queen Oprah? But she was with Queen, Queen Majestic yes. Oprah. I think Miss Winfrey, uh, by the way, did you know Janet Jackson is pregnant? I heard this on the way over to... To work today. Yes, dear. I just, yes. I don't know why. You're, I was thinking, you're so I was cute. Miss Oprah. You're so cute when you find out I things know. months later sometimes. I love it. <laughs> I know. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, audience. I don't listen to the news because it upsets me too much. And so I figure if it's really important, it'll either end up on my Facebook page or my friend Kim will tell me or my mom. My mom loves to tell me tragedies as soon as they happen. Hi, mom. And she calls me immediately to tell me well you know there was a mass shooting and it's like mom I don't yeah I'll send a prayer to them I I can't handle it you know why because I'm I'm full of imagery and I see Mm -hmm. things you know so I'm like oh it it just really really affects me um but um it's not that I'm like trying to live in denial it's that I can't move on from it if I hear about it right Well, you know, Um, you know what that makes me think of, though, because I think this is worth saying is uh, Rob Bell on one of his recent podcasts Mm -hmm. was uh, entitled Thinking About the News, and it's part of his wisdom series. And one of the things he was talking about is that we are the curators of what we take in, whether it, you know, information wise, Mm -hmm. media wise, all of that, and that we can be deliberate in a world that's trying to bombard us. And people are sitting in cubicles deciding what push notifications are relevant for ESPN.com to go through to your phone or whatever it is. That was the example he gave. You know, uh, that there used to be more of a rhythm to the news, that people would get a newspaper and read it or they would tune into the evening news at night. But there wasn't always this possibility of overwhelm or earth-shattering news just coming to a device that you have on you at all times to take the rug out from under you and make you feel unsafe or overwhelmed or even even happiness but just you weren't necessarily prepared for it so he did talk about just sort of the mindfulness and the cultivation of don't let your phone bombard you be very deliberate with how you're receiving news so I think what you're saying is when your mom called your mom is basically a human push notification (laughs) going through it's like there's no delay there's no but only for like tragic events or worry or anxiety those are her right and again it's not that those things aren't aren't necessarily but but also they aren't it's not that they're not valuable to know and aren't aren't important and we're not wanting to bury our heads in the sand but at the same time knowing that you are a deeply sensitive person and someone that cares very deeply and and will and imagery stays with you very deeply 
that is something that you're trying to keep your ownership over because of how deeply it affects you. Well, and also just being the kind of doctor physician that I am working so closely with emotional layers and chronic disease. And again, going through those layers with people, I have to keep myself really open in order to do that, to be able to like allow whatever they need to say to come through and whatever needs to come through to come through. And sometimes I get caught off guard because I haven't gotten to the point where I've sort of closed myself up so that I can receive things like that. Does that, does that make sense? Could you explain a little more about how the work that you, that you do and how that connects? Cause I think that's really valuable for people to understand. Yeah. So I think one of the gifts that I have, and I tell my patients this, is I really see myself as a translator of the body. And so people will come in with sort of any disease, and I will say, okay, what does your body have to say about it? And I have a lot of tools in my tool bags, like pulse, um, different forms of um, muscle testing, uh, you know, different um, acupuncture and Chinese medicine diagnostic techniques. where I can go to the body and it will sort of lead me to which system needs the most support. Within that system, there's always an emotional body that needs to be addressed. So for instance, um, you've had a car accident. While that car accident has occurred, you've been hit and that creates a trauma within the body and a pain within the body as a response to that. Well, I can do things to help with the pain such as acupuncture, Um, structural integration, um, manipulation, where I'll actually move the bones, very similar to like a chiropractor, but in a gentler form. But then what happens to that emotion that was attached to that incident? It just sort of gets buried in there. And so part of what I do is detaching the emotion from from the actual physical symptom that the person is feeling. And part of that openness and cultivation as me as as a physician as this kind of physician so that I can figure out exactly where that is exactly how to how to help release that for that person is I have to be really clear so I have to take time before and after I see patients to almost do like a little recentering meditation um, and I ask for sort of that openness and then I ask to sort of be closed so I only want to know what I need to know in that moment so that I can help guide the person to the next level. Um, And I know that sounds very woo-woo and esoteric, but actually it is quite scientific and there is a system that's around that. It's just, I think I realized a long time ago, my gifts were, A, I feel it in people. I actually can touch the body and sort of feel within myself where that pain is lying and it helps to guide me to ask the questions and it guides me to order the test or to check, check that muscle movement or, you know, whatever it may be. And then through that, I go, okay, body, is there an emotion that's attached to it? And so I think that we have this idea of a separation and I am truly, I practice integrative medicine. And so what, with that idea, it's not just, well, you know, I'm anti this. No, it's actually, I'm pro everything when it's necessary. So truly individualized and integrative medicine. And so that's what I do. So through that, you know, I see a few patients a day, people are coming in with their trauma, even if it's just a simple headache, 
there's a there's usually an emotion attached to that and so part of that is a clearing process that I need to do when I get home so then when I'm driving home and my mom's like why well, I need to talk to you on the phone something happened it's like it's just sort of that it feels very invasive to me unless I've had a chance to really center myself and ground myself so that I can receive news like that mm-hmm. does that explain it I think it does well and You know, I love drawing the parallels between the work that you and I do because what comes up for me when you're talking about trauma and emotion being stored in the body is everything I know about muscle responses, the way that the body startles and and holds fear actually in the muscles and in the reflex patterns. Um, The moral reflex is the startle reflex where... Something happens and you go and you gasp and what happens in the moral reflex in its full expression is basically where people's arms, like, like you would look at a, a startled baby, like the arms and legs go way out like a starfish, like, <gasps> and, you know, you're really at your extreme of your range of movement and the muscles are not actively engaged against gravity. They're going out like bracing um, but it, but you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. You're not you're not covering your 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 midsection like a fetal position. You're out and startled. And so I actually went to an amazing course last year, and a, the title was something like developmental trauma and self regulation from a sensory motor lens. And so that's a lot of words, but basically we it was a room full of occupational therapists working with kids and. Our instructor was leading us through all these different developmental patterns, looking at how reflexes develop, looking at how muscles develop, looking at how the ability to know what to expect and be startled or be taken by surprise integrates over time. And then what actually happens with the body, what happens with the rate of breath, what happens with the way that muscles learn to activate in a functional way. So there's a lot on both ends of the developmental spectrum from birth all the way to when adults are walking into your office about how the body processes trauma and things that we don't even necessarily cognitively think of as trauma either. But if you are prone to be hyper startled, if if you're prone to be really not grounded in your body and you, you surprise easily and you hold that and your breathing is shallow that also becomes a different way of being in the world. And so it also helps, there's also support to help shift that, whether it's how the muscles and and, uh, bones and all that are activating together and how how the the breath interacts with the postural system of how we hold ourselves up and expand our rib cage to let air in and out. And so there's there's a lot to it. So I, I just like, I like going back to that sometimes to say, because oh, you mentioned, oh, well, it's it sounds woo-woo, but the thing that's so interesting to me is that all of these different disciplines are coming to the same conclusion, which is that all of this stuff lives in the body, whether it's what I do, what you do, what, you know, Dr. Dan Siegel is talking about with all of his work, with the, you know, neurobiology stuff and development. I mean, there's so many people you could pull in, but it's it's starting to line up more and more and more and more across the board. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I often say the, the medicine I practice is just ahead of its time, and that's it. And it's always been there. And I think that 
ahead of our time means we went through, I hope that we're coming out of this era where we're starting to separate the body. Even like what you're doing uh, from an occupational therapy standpoint is really, what do you call it? You call it sensory integration. What do I call this? Integrative medicine. Right. We're all getting to this point where we understand we're not just these human beings having these singular experiences and, oh, no, the reason I am this way is because I drive this way. It's like, no, actually, and I say this to my patients all the time, you don't choose your posture. Your posture chooses you. And as soon as I say that to them, they're like, huh, because I always try to sit up straight and I just can't. And I said, because you don't have the proper signals in your body saying that it's okay for you to do uh -huh. that. And, they're, and, they're, and, and, the, and the fight or flight response is a real thing. It's a real thing. And so when we start to downregulate that, when we start to put people into a position of awareness through movement, through, um, you know, I use lots of tools, acupuncture, herbs, homeopathy, um, you name it. But whatever that body is sort of demanding at that time, it's like, it, it's absolutely night and day. And it's, and it's something that I have gone through myself through my own healing journey is how I've become this type of doctor. You know, this is what's, this really is what worked for me. This is what's worked for my family. And so, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey and it's a, a really important thing, but I love, I love that. And I love that we're finally starting to see the science sort of catching up with all of that. But just to go back really quick, how we got on this subject was we were talking about, um, you talked about um, Rob Bell's podcast on, um, you know, we are the creators of our own reality or the curators of our own reality. And we decide what we're going to take in. And he talks about cell phones and he talks about, um, I love the part where he was like, you know, getting that little buzz from the cell phone is almost like a hit of heroin uh -huh. for people. And, and let's bring it full circle. The reason we love that hit so much is then we then think and our egos think, wow, somebody's thinking about me. Like, this is a really good thing. I'm not lonely in this world. It, it, it helps us to avoid sort of that lonely cycle. And I'm not, I'm not, I have nothing against, I absolutely love text messaging. You and I text 50 plus times a day. So I get it. But there's also this other part of it where we need to be very, um, cognizant about what we're allowing to come into our do we need 50 texts a day from our work do we need um do we need the cell phones at our dinner table you know when we're trying to have dinner and conversation with people that we love um it's that checking in but really it's the checking out that i i get a little worried about um and i think he sort of touches on that well it's another easy button it prevents us from feeling the pain it's an easy button, exactly. It goes back to exactly what we started talking about, which is this, this, this pain and avoiding pain and discomfort, um, and full circle. People. It is well. So I just want to give you the warning. We're about thirty-one minutes in. I know that we both have. I have uh, patients that I have to see here in a little bit, and I know you've got to get off to the clinic as well. Um, Yes. Was there anything else we wanted to touch well, on? Well, I wanted to really say, we have so much to going say. back really quickly to the being the curator of what we consume, um, I'm just ripe with Glennon Doyle material today because her big quote was, 
what you consume, you become. And that works on so many levels, right? I mean, you are what you eat, your body, <laughs> but you're also, you, you are what you consume on, on a broader scale, you know, when you're consuming a, a drink or a food or a piece of media or an idea or a conversation. And all of that matters. You know, I think there's, there's a piece to it where you can consume things that maybe aren't in your highest interest, uh, whether it's reality TV or even watching too much election coverage or whatever it is. But I have to be very, very mindful. And that's, again, moderation, right? Like, am I able to buy the pumpkin, cream cheese, gluten-free cupcakes and eat one out of the four? Yes, I was. Congratulations to me earlier this week. Um, you know, so, so, but, but I, I made sure I, you know, I ate it and then I put it back in the fridge and I didn't revisit it. I might've looked at it longingly a couple of times, but I didn't re-consume. And I think there, there has to be a level of, okay, I know it's there. Okay. I know when I can come back to it, but right now this is what's enough for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I love what Kathy said on her, on Zen Parenting was listening to on the way to work today and she was saying that um you know part of it is just saying like yeah you know what I am eating this gluten-free pumpkin cake because I'm angry about something like part of it is just realizing that you are attaching the emotion to what you're doing mm -hmm. we are the quicker that we can figure out as human beings that we're just a ball of emotions walking around at any given moment a, a ball of emotions and survival I think that we would be a little bit gentler on ourselves, but I think it would it would help us wake up to what the reality is. And, and it would help us, I hope, give ourselves just a little bit of credit for just getting through the day. Because us humans are very complicated and simple human beings at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. I think really coming down to the fact that we are human beings, imperfect and worthy of love, and... The idea of first forgiving ourselves and then being able to forgive other people. And I think what might be helpful for me to close out our show today is maybe for each one of us to just share an opportunity or, or an awareness or an incident where someone or something happened that sort of caught that piece of you off guard. So I'll go first since I have something in mind, clearly. But it's like for me, okay. when I am driving... Um, and someone is, Hey, I get it. Like the road rage is a thing. I get it. I've, I've also had anger to, you know, about what's going on. However, people, I have really, even in the past couple of weeks, I don't know if it's what's going on in our country or what, but people are so quick to flip other people off when they drive. And it just, maybe it's my, my sensitivity and my, my sense of what's okay and what's not, uh, which was rigid growing up that you don't do that. But it's like, holy cow, are we really, is it really that important? I mean, it was just the other day I was, I was driving. It was sort of like I had my, my music going and the sun was coming through the windows and it wasn't even directed toward me. I, you know, and again, this is me being the sensitive girl. Like I was always feeling sad and panicked even when, you know, other people in my classroom were getting in trouble growing up. It's like, ah, you know, mm -hmm. but just me going along, having my day, sun coming through the windows, singing along with my song and 
somebody didn't go fast enough at a stop sign and just the the horn and the the middle finger coming out and the and I was just like, huh, you know, it's I was when you're not. It's almost what we were talking about before. When you're not in that space of, do I need to have my my guard up right now, or can I let things in? I was in a letting in space, and then it was just someone's someone's carrying around their unprocessed, you know, pain or loneliness or whatever. And the first thing that happens, boom, it's your fault. I'm mad at you. F off, you know. And sometimes that that kind of stuff just. If we could just, and again, I'm not passing judgment on that particular person. It's just in general, I know for myself, the past, the past recent history, I have really tried to make an effort, you know, not in an ingenuous way, but to really, if I can't offer kindness to at least offer neutrality in a situation or at least offer space or at least offer breathing room because this quickness to react is, it's, it's an epidemic, you know, and you and I both have our our reasons and our science behind why that is. But to really go out in the world and just try to be open and and ready to see the good in people, it's actually exhausting sometimes. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I just want to validate that for myself and everyone else who may be experiencing yes, that. Validate, preach on, my lady. Uh, I think, I think uh, to, to your point, and this is something we talked about the other day that I want to bring up because it's really good, is, toot my own (laughs) horn, bop, 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 um, is this idea of we sometimes, as people who are trying to live grounded and aware and connected and empathetic and kind and all of these things that we're trying to like sort of bring to the world and bring to ourselves, um, I think what happens is a lot of times we don't know who we're supposed to be in that situation. Like, am I supposed to be the open vulnerable person or am I supposed to be on guard because this person might bite my head off because that feels a little raw and uh, exposed as it will and not safe, you know? And I don't know if there's a good answer for it, but we're always, and, and it goes back to biology because we're, we love that biology. It's like every given moment we're trying to determine, is this situation a fight or a flight? Is this a rest or a digest? You know, And from a neuro standpoint, we're always trying to determine that. And I think it comes back to, A, resourcing yourself, making sure that you have what you need to go out into the world, whether that be rest, sleep, good food, exercise, Laughter. Uh, loving laughter, uh, loving relationships with people, whatever you need to do, it makes it a heck shower, (laughs) got hip hop, you know, uh, whatever that is, refer back to episode one lighthouse list. Yes. Um, you need to do that so that you can, so then whatever they're going to throw on you, whatever hot potato you're going to throw on you, instead of catching it, you just step back and it drops on the ground. It doesn't actually do anything to you. It doesn't harm you in any way. And that's easier said than done. Absolutely. And anybody who has children or people in their life that are needy um, <laughs> will know how difficult how difficult that is um, sometimes. And why it's so important that we, we have to do this work and really start from 
of number one, which is resource. Well, let me say, I think everything that's all really valuable. I, I, you asked if there was a fix. I think there's a reframe. I think the reframe is moving away from the duality and the black and white of, am I open and, and, and heart centered or am I closed and safe? Because that type of black and white, this or that, which is what I think I'm used to and what I grew up thinking, you know, is also limiting, right? It's, can I just be expansive and say, how can I show up in this situation as authentically and and open-hearted as I can, but also be boundaried and smart and not share my story with people that haven't earned the right to hear it. So I think that's also just the challenge and the balance of being in this world and being, being who we are. So I think there, there's pieces with that too, where it's, it's not always about, you know, because if we're always the, 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 un, the processes that are determining if we're safe or not in any given moment are supposed to be mostly unconscious, right? We have signals that we're picking up on. And, and then if something does happen, like you're walking down the street in the car, honks or there's a train whistle and you're startled, you, you, you rectify that. You look, you look, you see what it was. You say, okay, that's of no consequence. I can move on. My heart rate will return to its normal rate. My breathing rate, you know, will hopefully return. Um, but there's, there's a mindfulness that goes with taking care of and knowing that and knowing that that happened and not just trying to keep scooting forward and la 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 la, nothing happened. No, something happened. I'm going to reset. It's like a reset button. And also I think, the hot potato of, okay, here's the pain, here's the loneliness, here's, you feel this now. Sometimes we step back and it drops to the floor. Sometimes we've resourced ourselves and we're we- we're wearing oven mitts and we do hold it for a moment and then we give it back or then we let it go off into the atmosphere like a balloon. Because really if we're just passing it back or letting it, I think that's what you were going for maybe with the dropping to the ground, but also it's sort of like the, this is, this doesn't matter. And the more we react to it, the more we're reinforcing that it's true and that it matters when really it's not even true. You know, it's not even true that it's ours or that that person, uh, their, their pain is absolutely valid and, and real in the sense that they feel it. But whatever's going on that's causing that, that then they have come up with some story about why we need to take it is, is the piece that needs to die. Yeah, exactly. Well, my friend, as per usual, lighthearted subject. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like we just like, and da 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 time for a knock-knock joke or something. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This is where we insert hip-hop music. No. <laughs> Everybody, we just want to thank you for tuning in. Um, we are so grateful to have the opportunity to speak to you please keep your comments and questions coming through they give us ideas about what we what you want to hear about we want to give you what you want to know um and but we also love just putting and creating things in the world and so it's really awesome for us too it's it's a pleasure absolute pleasure um you can visit us at our facebook page which is um the resourced adult on facebook and also um, our Instagram page at the recess resourced adult at the resourced adult. Um, Kim is putting on an awesome mindfulness for moms workshop. When is that? Well, it's actually, I'm hoping to be putting together an ongoing group. Um, I'm starting it uh-huh. out of the city 
at the clinic I work through, which we are hoping to hit the ground running January of 2017. It's crazy to say 2017. When I first typed out the flyer, I had 2016 on there and a bunch of people looked at it and nobody noticed either. <laughs> it's sort of like, oh, 20. So 2017. Oh um, but I am doing the sort of inaugural pilot session, uh, I think November 17th. It's a Thursday evening in uh, November, obviously. But what it's going to be is a group to support uh, women in their motherhood journeys. And um, I have a whole description posted on my personal uh, professional, personal slash professional Instagram, which is Holistic Pediatrics. So I've posted it there, um, and I might also post it on one of the resourced adult social medias as well. So there's more, more details there. Yeah, more details to come. Really, really exciting. Uh, if you're in the Chicago or Chicagoland area, I would definitely recommend attending that. Um, finally, uh, the new website is up for Terrain Wellness. Thank you to my sweetheart who's been working very hard on it. So you can visit my website if you have any questions. You can contact me there at terrainwellness.com. Um, any other notes, any closing thoughts for everyone? I think my closing thoughts are when in doubt, put on a good song. That has just been my saving grace oh my the goodness. past few days. Mm -hmm. Just sing it out, everybody. Sing it out. Like, just sing it out. Just sing it out. Just let it out. You know, cry it out, scream it out, laugh it out, sing it out. Just let it out. Absolutely. And, um, and my closing notes are just, just love yourself. And so with that, we're going to invite you to be well and be resourced. And we will see you next time for episode seven. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye.